Hello there and welcome to my Polyglot Podcast. Today we are going to start our um, uh, reviewing about uh, some very interesting books, or not so interesting books, that uh, started to be spread all over the Polyglot community. And um, obviously the first one was How to Learn a Language uh, by Barry Faber. And... Uh, After it, we really had no interesting things available uh, on the market, on the libraries, until Michel Erard, or Marco Erard, uh, released Babel No More, the search for the world's most extraordinary language learners. This is a very interesting book, but um, let's try to talk about it. Okay, it has only uh, four or five parts. Let's see it. Uh, uh, first, it starts into the Cardinal Labyrinth. Cardinal is the famous Cardinal Mezzofanti, a uh, supposed hyper-polyglot uh, from the old times. He was um, an ancient priest, um, and so he was supposed to talk or to speak in several languages. Second, uh, second part is the tracking, uh, tracking down hyperpolyglots. After it, we have the revelation, the brain whispers. After the laboration, the brains of Babel. And then part five, arrival, the hyperpolyglots of Flanders. Okay. This is very interesting because uh, the idea, uh, it started to be a journey where the main goal is to find out Cardinal Mezzofanti um, person, not really in person, because Cardinal Mezzofanti has died quite a long ago, but... Uh, Uh, this is very interesting. I have uh, underlined some parts, which I will uh, read it for you uh, quickly. How can I learn a language quickly? How well do I have to speak or write it for it to be useful? Whose standards will I have to meet? Will I ever be taken as a native? Why are my economic status, my identity, and my brain going to be changed? Again, those are really very, very interesting and intriguing questions. Especially this one. Whose standards will I have to meet? How can I know that I am really fluent in a language? Am I going to be like a native? The question is, will I ever be taken as a native? Is this really necessary? Are my economic status, my identity and my brain going to be changed? So, these are very interesting things. And after, it's going, he's going to uh, put and present some conclusions about that. Um, let's see something else um, um, okay I'm just uh, checking out here 
Let me see here, okay? No matter which story you believe, Mezzofanti's work with languages seems to have begun when he was very young. This gave him important early experiences with many sorts of sounds and ways to structure words and sentences. Once he was in the seminary, his language studies intensified. Hebrew, Arabic, Coptic, more German, more French. And this early exposure clearly gave him an advantage later on. And so, when we start and think about his story and his background, we can really think, uh, was this person a real person? Yeah. Okay. Uh, another part here is uh, mastery, uh, by defined as a man called uh, um, what? Mastery has been able to speak a language with perfect fluency and correctness, which would match in the knowledge of it on a level which the majority of the natives. In addition to perfect pronunciation, Watts also noted that the Cardinal conversed in his languages, greeting people with great spirit and, pre and precision. In his reckoning, the real measure of rare ability would be lie in conversation. So, we have here uh, the list of languages that Cardinal uh, Mezzofanti uh, has studied or studied in the time generally changes from person to person. We have here one uh, list that uh, is composed by Hebrew, Rabbinical Hebrew, Arabic, uh, Chaldean, Coptic, Ancient Armenian, Modern Armenian, Persian, Turkish, Albanian, Maltese, Greek, Ramaic, Latin, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, French, German, Swedish, Danish, Dutch, Flemish, uh, Dutch and Flemish, of course, are widely acknowledged now to be the same language, but okay. English, uh, Illyrian, Russian, Polish, Czech, uh, in that time it was called Bohemian, Hungarian, and Chinese. So we have really a lot of languages, and nobody can really um, reach on a, a real thing. Okay, I have something here, very interesting, another one, that is um, an analysis on how native um, notice our efforts to speak, to learn their languages. Here we have, um, okay, uh, I've replied in Chinese, I took the teachers of shock and delight to mean that the sophistication of the reply, which I'd learned from a friend, had outstripped their true opinion of my skill. By contrast, the French are vehemently uninterested in having a foreign mangle their language, in a stereotype anyway. Theoretically, French natives would rate your lower you low in French than in Spaniards would do in Spanish. 
In Japan and Korea, a low a skilled non-native will be highly regarded and praised, while someone with better skills will be, will be viewed as a threat. Former U.S. Ambassador William Ruff, who was posted to Yemen and the United Arab Emirates, once consulted that if you're a non-native speaker appearing to an Arabic language media, it's better to keep a conversation going on that to worry about being grammatically correct. The effort, which is appreciated by Arab audience, looks good diplomatically. For cultural reasons, Arabic audiences also prefer truthful speech, so they are more tolerant of imperfect Arabic than of an interpreter who may alter what a person means. This is a very interesting point of view. So I would rather you speak uh, my language uh, with uh, some grammar mistakes or some points than having a translator um, being a traitor uh, against uh, some things that he has just said. So various are all these responses that you'd have to conduce that a native speaker's opinion isn't necessarily a legitimate criterion. So uh, this is a very interesting point uh, that he also calls uh, our attention to that point that uh, should I ask a native speaker if I speak well enough, this would depend. Maybe if I ask to a French speaker, he will say that my French is absolutely awful. But probably on the other hand, if I ask to a Polish person if my Polish that is really bad, uh, is it good enough that you praise me telling that it's the uh, hardest language in the world to learn? So they will be praised with that. Okay. Um, okay, that's a very interesting question again. When you go crazy, what language do you craze in? So, uh, this we have a lot of answers about that. So, this will depend on your language is in your brain. Because if you speak a language with, uh, I would say that with a fluent level of B1, B2, C1, C2, um, this language possibly is uh, stored on the right uh, part of your brain. And when you are learning a language, everything is stored in the left side. So, because uh, we really think about when we are learning a language. And so we use our mathematical, our logical uh, path to learn a language. And when it becomes natural, it will be part of ourselves. And so, uh, this is the process. We can transfer one language from the left hemisphere to the right hemisphere, just by studying a lot, by listening to some sort of music. But this is a good question he puts here. Uh, if I got crazy, in which language will I get crazy in? So this is very intriguing, because uh, we know people that really um, get crazy and sometimes or the person ha has an accident and after that the person um, loses a part of the brain um, and so which language will the person speak? This will depend where 
the language, which part of the brain was the language stored. Okay, uh, I will have to move on. Okay, he says something here that I, uh, at the moment I didn't, I didn't uh, agree with that. He said, I also felt certain that languages weren't objects of beauty, that he displayed like butterflies in a collection. And I said, no, are you really sure about that? Uh, when you talk about polyglots, and this is a book about polyglots, we really treat them as butterflies in our collection. When a person uh, goes above the level of 10 languages, usually the next one will be just another butterfly in our collection. And he says here that no, not like that. Okay. Um, let's carry on. We have some important things here, but uh, I'd like just to give a general idea about that. Um, okay, I love that one. Um, this part is very interesting too. I also have uh, already used this definition on that. One wants to know. Does it work? Elizabeth Victor, Lex Language Project Executive Director, says that she can speak about five languages. Then she explained, I can do business in Japanese. I can find lost luggage in Spanish and French. I can make friends in Chinese. And beyond, I can say I'm hungry or I'm tired uh, and maybe understand things that people say to me. To her, speaking a language means she can converse and communicate not that she's fluent or near a native. I really love this definition. So, if we take the list of languages you have already studied, what can you do with your Dutch? Can you um, go and pass three, four days in Netherlands and uh, um, go shopping with your Dutch without using English? Can you go to another small town uh, close to uh, Amsterdam uh, without using any single English word? Can you do that? Okay, so you can maybe you can travel and make yourself understood for four days in something like that. Um, for example, I have already traveled to Warsaw and there I had to start some business things but first of all, I had my first challenge to arrive um, to my flat that I had rented through Airbnb. And uh, there, nobody speaks English. Okay, uh, sorry for nobody, but um, there are not enough people that can really speak English. They are really scared a little bit. I would say that if you say, do you speak English? They really will jump back and say, no, 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 or niet, 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 uh, and something like that. And so I really had to uh, ask and stop a person in the street, asking, um, uh, excuse me, and starting a conversation uh, so that I could really find my flat 
I had some problems to get into it because I couldn't understand many of people that were entering and leaving the, the, the block of flats. But afterwards, I could use my mobile phone and I could call the friend of the host that would uh, rent the house for me. And we have a uh, um, uh, poly-English uh, conversation and so it worked so I would say that I can find uh, a place in uh, Polish I can do shopping because I'm vegetarian uh, and so I have to ask some basic questions so I did survive I can uh, maybe I cannot take part in a conversation in a bar or things like that but I can have so as you can see a language and your level will be only determined by what you can do with it. And so now, uh, when we go on this book, um, we have some more things here. If someone tells you how many languages they speak, they shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't trust them, he insisted. Because this is very difficult. Um, what is speak? Uh, according to which methodology are you saying that? Even nowadays we have the European uh, framework for of references. Uh, the um, oh, what's the name of that? It's European framework. Uh, of, uh, oh, sorry, I forgot about that. But it's the it's the base of that that we have divided the languages into A one, A two, B one, B two, C one, C two. We can try to use that. Uh, kind of uh, uh, standards, but even that will be a little bit um, doubtless, uh, doubtful, really. Uh, because we can take a test, but uh, the least of words that we have to learn to take that test, it's easily available on the internet. So, if you have to learn 1,500 words, words, you can really learn those words. And if you are good enough to learn grammar, you can pick up a grammar, then get exposed to some things to get the listening and put everything together and then hire a teacher to talk to you uh, for a week, for instance, and then you are ready to take the exam. Because it especially depend on your mother tongue or your second or third, fourth language, the one will help the other one. And so this is very interesting. Um, okay, the enemy of the language learner is forgetting. You can only prevent this by regularly studying. It's not really revolutionary. This is very interesting. People sometimes think that. What, how can I learn a language? I think I generally say that learning a language is quite easy. The difficult part is really uh, keep the language. So the enemy of the language learner is forgetting. This is truth. You can only prevent that by regularly studying. If you study and if you keep the language at a regular basis on your life, you will keep it. It's not that revolutionary. Okay. Uh, after we have some data about uh, um, Cardinal Mezzofanti, as here we have some um, religious data, as we have uh, that uh, um, the Christianity 
uh, also has a very good example providing he really existed. Jesus himself spoke Aramaic, Hebrew, maybe Greek and Latin. Uh, Aramaic was probably his mother tongue. Hebrew, because if he attended uh, the synagogues, probably the Torah and uh, the Hebrew Bible uh, was read in Hebrew. Probably he understood that. There's a part in the Gospels where Jesus uh, had a conversation with uh, Pilatus, Pontius Pilatus, that uh, probably didn't speak Greek or any other common language, but Latin. So probably Jesus also spoke or understand at a certain level Latin. And Greek, according to the researchers, Greek was the language of that time. Okay, more important thing here, uh, a lot of her, that most of polyglots seemed to be men, and the number were gay and left-handed. Very interesting, isn't it? One uh, thing we are sure that we have, that most of the hyper-polyglots and even polyglots are men. Uh, obviously, we have some exceptions. We have some uh, great hyper-polyglots that are women. And we have another one that a number were gay and left-handed. So this is a kind of uh, important data because we we can think about that. Okay, let's carry on. Uh, um, okay, let me see. Uh, you cannot say this only in the environment that's rather simplistic. I'm convinced that there's something in genes. Obviously, uh, we can have some potential to learn a language that can be passed through uh, congeniality, but I don't really agree with this theory. Um, we are arriving at the end of this book. Um, hmm. This produces an odd situation. People speak five languages, but they are not really five languages because it's not fluent. So we, uh, this book is full of that cases. So we do not arrive at a really uh, good uh, uh, point of view if uh, what is to be fluent. It's good as a researcher. If you are researching and if you really want to uh, speak and think about that, you can um, learn and think about that. Here, uh, I, I have just come across a very interesting thing. This is a way to neutralize the castle, the caste um, in India by using English. English is now considered India's one neutral language. And it has become a de facto official language in the country. In 2006, a Daliti writer and activist, Chahandrabhan Prasad, provoked a media firestorm by calling for Dalitis, otherwise known as untouchables, to give up Indian languages. English, he said, should be their mother tongue. His reason, anything 
Indian, including Indian languages. Risks of caste discrimination. English is the key to opportunity. So as you can see, it's a book full of very interesting quotes. Uh, everything that I have just said here, it's quoted by Michael Arad, um, and it really deserves uh, your attention. Um, another thing here, the easy answer is that individuals respond to their cultural and linguistic environment, speaking as many languages as are around them. Okay, um, okay, just, uh, I will not, um, okay, that's something here, uh, I asked him why he saw opportunity where others might see a language barrier, this is an interesting thing, sometimes, um, if, uh, the last time I've been, I traveled, I went to Greece, I have already studied more than Greek, but my modern Greek was not quite good at that time. But I had already studied the ancient Greek because I'm a translator of the New Testament. And uh, I was in a deep translation uh, process when I arrived in Thessaloniki for a polyglot conference. And uh, when I came across that I didn't speak the modern language, I felt uh, a person that uh, came back in a time machine uh, from 2000 years ago and started to speak the language as Jesus and his apostles spoke. But instead of seeing that as a problem for me, that would be a barrier because I speak no the language that uh, nobody really speaks that, even having some common uh, alphabet, just that, anything else. Uh, and so uh, I, I saw that as, a, as an opportunity to change my ancient Greek and transform it into something very interesting. Okay, um, okay. Uh, okay, as I said, I will not uh, spoil, be a spoiler about the... Um, the things about Cardinal Mezzofanti. Here we have uh, his method. Um, this, I guess, I will not be spoiler, will I? Okay, in Mezzofanti's own time, his methods must have seemed sensibly industrials. Today, they dazzle us only by their vigor and persistence. Mezzofanti himself once said that even as an adult, he learned languages like a schoolboy, writing out words and verb conjugations and memorizing them. He made good use of his time, making it more abundant. He talked to himself in his languages while he was alone. He read dictionaries, catechisms, vocabularies and literature of great variety. He sought people to talk to, and he took notice on their conversations. Check that. Take note during the conversations. Very interesting. He also translated among various languages. Labors and games, routine and diversions. He invented or discovered them all. And whatever his method was, he stuck to it. The start to his life said he'd been rescued from a carpentry if his language life had really been such a drudgery, 
One wonders whether it amounted to a rescue at all. They, people, Mr. Francis says that we don't learn a language, but we pick them up. He also says that um, whatever the method is, he said, is stick to the method. That's the method. I say it again. Whatever the method is, is stick to the method. That is the method. And so, if you are using any of this famous uh, apps or books or language schools, the only thing that will take you to success is really stick to the method. If you have started with it, go ahead. So, in general, I'd say that Babel No More, it's a mix or a mixture of uh, um, a bio, uh, okay, a pretentious bio biography of Cardinal Manzofanti. At the same time, he mixes uh, some things from Manzofanti. And uh, oh, during the, the, this book, uh, maybe um, the writer didn't know that we 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 are a huge community and we have a lot of people. But uh, he came across with uh, Alexander Argilis, a very good uh, and interesting polyglot that I have I had the pleasure to meet in person and uh, exchange some words. Um, and uh, uh, if I'm not wrong, uh, Alexander Argilis was the only alive polyglot that he studied to compare his routine and try to discover the routine of uh, Cardinal Mazzofanti. Other important thing here is that Cardinal Mazzofanti loved flashcards and they could find his flashcards. Imagine that since quite a long time ago, a person from the church uh, loving languages and using a very easy and common tool that we use nowadays. Flashcards, that easy, just flashcards, and obviously stick to the method. So, if I had to give a, a score to this book out of five, uh, I have to say that it's a four. It's a four book because uh, I could read it um, full of curiosity because the way the author wrote was very interesting and you can really get captured by his way of writing. As I said, it's a pretensions biography together with real uh, points of views together with documentary. It's like uh, a history channel or things like that, where we, ca we have the main story and the background of it being built so that at the end you reach to uh, comprehension about that. So this was one of the first books that uh, uh, we got in our community. And um, I'm not sure, but uh, the last time uh, we talked to each other, uh, the rights of the 
the book that uh, this one of mm, that is my, on my hand belong the rights belong to the free press a division of Simon Schuster but now uh, the rights were bought by Asimil and um, I don't know um, the name of the book that will be in French but uh, this English version probably will not be available for quite a lot in the bookstores except on secondhand maybe you can find it on eBay or even Amazon secondhand books uh, it's a book that you you have to have you have to have it on your shelf and uh, I guess that it's a very pleasant reading because you can mix pleasure and uh, datas and quotations and the things to think about as I have just read. So uh, it's just for today. I promise to be more frequent on the posts. So see you again uh, as soon as possible with another uh, reviewing, another uh, commentary about uh, the books. Um, it was quite hard to read a lot of books and uh, underline the most important parts and be um, critic enough but not offensive because I know some of the authors I had come across like Michael Erard we had no intimacy but we had already uh, talked to each other and uh, he's a polyglot he's a still not polyglot but he's a linguistic uh, and so we share some common backgrounds, and so the aim here is not, uh, and will not be to um, put down or unvalue the work of uh, anyone that I will do it here, but just to give a comment and maybe uh, call out your attention to read it more, and maybe you can uh agree or disagree with me obviously this was my point of view about this book maybe you hated it maybe you would give zero stars or maybe you would give five stars because you didn't see any problem but for me four it's good enough it's really good enough so thank you so much don't forget to sign up for free on itunes if uh, even if you are not using iTunes, you can go to iTunes and look for my Polyglot podcast. Uh, we also are on Anchor and uh, we are available in many other platforms. So you can listen to us um, as soon as you want. And this is my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much and talk to you soon. Bye for now. And don't forget to uh, spread this word, uh, the word by mouth really works in our things huh so mypolyglot.com is your real polyglot podcast this was Jimmy Mello and it was a pleasure to be with you bye for now